0: Hello, uh, Yvette Basica here, October 18th, 2021, um, Monday, and, uh, here it goes. So, uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, it is, uh, like I said, October 18th, um, you're tuning in to uh gang stalking, sex trafficking, and then Yvette Bastica, Y V E T T E B as in Boy, A S as in Sam, I C A. Um, I'm in the process of um making my website called uh freevet.com. So that's Y V E T T E. Um, uh, but so far I have an email that you can get a hold of me at free evet please at gmail.com. Um so that's just free evet, like my name, and then please, you know, how to spell please P L E A S E at gmail.com. And then I don't, uh, I do have to warn you that I probably will not receive many emails because my emails are hacked and same with my phone numbers. But, um, just in case I don't receive an email, you can find me on Instagram at Yvette three. Um, I'm also on YouTube, um, under a YouTube channel called favor your body It was an old company name of mine from a long time ago. I guess it's still there, but it's um, F as in Frank, A-V-O-R, favor your body. Um, Or you can just type in my name, Yvette Basica, and then you'll see some of my videos. I made a GoFundMe page about... um, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and that's at uh, www.gofundme.com slash free dash Yvette. So that's free dash Yvette after that. Um, anyway, I live in Los Angeles County in the South Bay in California, and I am in um, my late 30s, female. So um, I'm making a website and to get the word out because I am on um, mental health conservatorship now, just like Britney Spears is. So I am uh, tagging along uh, the Free Britney Spears Movement. Um, I understand her pain and torture because I've endured the uh, same stuff, if not thousands of times worse. And I am also a gang stalking target, which is what I want to talk uh, about most. Um, I'm first going to talk about here what I need. Uh, then I'm going to talk about uh, where the term gang stalking came from, which is uh, MK Ultra and uh, Coin Telepro. Um, which are two different CIA Secret Service programs that happened in around the 70s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. Um, I'm then going to talk about the definition of a sociopath. Then I'm going to go into my overall background of schools and jobs that I have done. I am then going to explain my grad school experience with my spiritual attacks and what happened when I came back to Los Angeles, because my grad school was in um, Colorado. I'm then going to explain what happened to me at the end of 2014-2015, and how I found out I was a gang-stalking target. I am then going to explain how I got thrown into the mental health system, and what has happened to me with conservatorships. And then I'm going to end again with what I need again, and then I'm going to repeat my contact info, and then I'm going to share about the 2 nonprofits that I would like to grow, and just comment that I'm on uh, disability currently, which you'll find out if you go to my GoFundMe page. Okay, so that was pretty long, that was about five minutes, just the intro. Um. So, uh, what I need, uh, currently I need, um, LAPD Harbor Division police officers. Um, they have refused to let me make an appointment to talk to the Captain J Mastic, M-A-S-T-I-C-K, uh, Because the police are involved in my targeting and I'm denied an investigation and they refuse to take any of my evidence in my home. And uh, Harbor Division is in San Pedro, uh, California, in case you're wondering. But um, so I would like to get a hold of him. Um, That would be pretty important because uh, he seems to be a good person. I checked out his background and um, that's probably why I'm, uh, you know, being denied the rights to, to see him. Um, I'm also uh, physically disabled and Disability Rights California refuses to take my case, even if I have evidence. So I need help contacting the owner there as well as the ADA ADA.gov is the website, and that's for American with Disabilities Act. And the chief there is Rebecca Bond there in Washington, D.C., under, I think, the Department of Justice. I need a probate lawyer that deals with conservatorships as well as a civil rights lawyer for extreme abuse, physical and emotional I need some, uh, therapists that will, uh, advocate for me and then I need a medical doctor and a naturopath doctor, uh, who can treat people that have been severely drugged and poisoned and then hopefully the naturopath will be holistic so that'll counterbalance that and then if somebody knows of a holistic psychiatrist, that would be fine, but I do not believe in um, tr- traditional psychiatry. They would have to be holistic. Um, the pills are, v- are very toxic for the human body. Okay, so that solves that. Number two. So now we go into uh, what MKUltra is. I'm just going to give you like an overall general view. And then you can go into the, the details by yourself because it would be a really long video. If I did that, so MKUltra is the codename for illegal experiments on human subjects that was designated by the CIA. They use drugs such as LSD and use prostitutes to deliver the drugs to men, then would watch them have sex with them through two-way mirrors. Operation Midnight Climax is what was called for that. And they use different techniques to administer psychoactive psychoactive drugs electroshocks therapy hypno hypnotis hypnosis, hypnosis sorry isolation um sensory deprivation uh verbal and sexual abuse uh it was in it was under institutions colleges hospitals prisons and pharmaceutical companies during this time when they kind of found out about it which was in the 70s. Um, And I'd say this is pretty alarming because testing on the mentally ill in psych wards is pretty abusive, and that's where most of the testing actually stemmed from because they can't fight back uh, once you're locked in. Uh, they do not mention clearly online that, um, that it was uh, done on illegally on psych patients, and it also does not mention clearly about the usage of brain implants and microchips throughout the body to torture humans and make them their slaves. If you uh, watch the movie Conspiracy Theory, um, you'll see that he had a microchip and that's, um, that's kind of how they made him his slave to go and assassinate people. Um, that was a movie with uh, Mel Gibson. Um, then uh, the CIA used secret detention camps to test their torture techniques on other citizens from other countries without uh, doing um, a trial or letting anyone know what they were doing. Uh, so... Feel free to look this up more. The U.S. claimed it was halted in the 70s, but no one was prosecuted. It never ended, and they just kind of turned into the term gang-stalking. Nowadays, they they made it that because it's, there's so many people involved now that um, that's kind of like how it, it, it happened. I don't know exactly when that happened, but that's basically it. And then Conchala Pro... It's Cointelepro, so it's Coin, T E L E P R O, is a term where the FBI was surveilling um, and, and discrediting innocent American citizens. They tried to shut up activist groups who wanted to stop war and violence. They smear people by forging documents through psychological warfare. Uh, harassment, and then implanting false reports in the media, um, uh, killing uh, killing violence and illegal imprisonment. And this was done by the FBI. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I said FBI. Okay. And uh, the program was a secret until 1971, until a group of people broke into the office in Pennsylvania of FBI and exposed the program. So this is what happens to a mentally ill person when they try to talk about their abuse, usually, um, in the mental health system, and it's definitely has happened to me. Um, okay, so now we're going to go with number three, definition of a sociopath, really briefly, is they could be charming and fun to be around, but it's because they have no remorse over what they do to people, they do not care about social rules. Irriti- they're irritable, aggressive, very impulsive. Impulsive would probably be, from what I've been researching, the, n- the number one thing about them. They break the law. They lie. They exploit others. And there's no signs of remorse after hurting someone. Uh, uh, they fight and they abuse drugs or alcohol. They're spiteful and they seek revenge. So... That's just, you can look that up a little bit later if you want to go into that. Um, Now going into my background. So uh, just, uh, you know, I I was raised in L.A. County and I went to Catholic schools my whole life, uh, private schools. And then even up until I went to college, I went to Loyola Marymount University in um, Westchester, which is like in Playa del Rey. And I went there for business, uh, marketing and finance, which I cannot do that now anymore. And um, and then I went to grad school in uh, Naropa University, which was a private school, but it was Buddhist based. Um, I, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into before I went Um, but I ended up going there and then I ended up dabbling in personal training for a long time in my twenties. I had a, you know, an office job before that. And then, um, you know, I loved, uh, running outside and going to dance classes, going to workout classes, uh, doing anything active, going to the beach, the ocean, biking, you know, anything that involved, um, being active. I was pretty much doing on a, you know, six six days a week, I at least I was doing something active. So to not be able to go outside now is um, is pretty hard. And then um, I worked in the mental health field, and that kind of bridged me from my workout experience to learning about dance movement therapy, which is why what I went to grad school for. So my degree was in uh, somatic psychology, which means body based therapy. And I did, I worked a little bit in the mental health field before I went there. And then eventually I ended up going there and then working more. So I worked in the, I was a suicide prevention center counselor, oh, like uh, over the hotline. And then I worked with um, horses, with uh, therapy groups, with children and people with disabilities. And then I did career counseling. And then I worked with Alzheimer patients which I really enjoyed. That was probably my favorite out of all the jobs I had, uh, besides personal training, of course. And then in general, I was a happy and loving person. So just to throw that out there. Um, Now I'm going to talk about um, going to grad school and what kind of happened there. Um, I'm trying to make this as quick as possible, so bear with me. So I ended up going to grad school to get my degree, like I said, in somatic psychology with an emphasis in dance movement therapy because um, that is how I basically coped with stress my whole life. And I knew there was more to traditional talk therapy and I knew it made it, it, me worse and better if I ever did end up going, which was a lot later in life um, that, I, that I found out about that. Um, so I was out on a mission and I moved to Boulder, Colorado. I moved to Denver for a little bit, maybe like six months. And then I moved to Boulder, it was basically there. Uh, I did not know what I was signing up for. And, um, I was psychologically tortured in school. And then my name was smeared in public. And I didn't know what was happening during this time to have my name smeared in public. Cause I didn't know I was a gang stalking target then. Um, I was drugged every time I went to eat out. And then every time I went to grab a coffee or like a muffin or something that would be drugged. So I had coffee about three times a day, maybe four to five. I was basically living on caffeine to get through school, um, which I know is not, I, I n- never lived on coffee before that. Um, so, um, So I could still I needed to stay awake basically during school. So I also ate most of my meals out um, because I had no time to cook because I was doing uh, so much during school. And then I shopped at Whole Foods, which um, which picked the foods I would normally get. And then they would drug that before I would arrive. I've started to notice that I think mid Mid year, mid maybe like 2010, 2011 or something like that. I started to pick up on that, um, but I didn't think anything of it because I didn't think a grocery store would would do that to me, at the time. And then I had a lot of spiritual attacks living in Boulder. Um, spirits uh definitely attached onto me even when I was walking around alone and just going for a hike. You know, like do it by myself. They came on to me so wasn't doing anything crazy I was just living like an average life at the time and then my school had a lot of different spiritual stuff going on they would have these flyers for sex parties right out in the middle of the hallway pick up a fl- uh, pick up a flyer come join us it's free burn the bras you know do whatever you want and I just just like why I just didn't couldn't believe that my school would have flyers like this laying around but they did and then um my the clocks were constantly stolen at the school and then people would steal our shoes we have to take our shoes off before we went into the classroom and they would um they would steal our shoes outside the classroom which i uh, thought was just odd because i've never been to a school where they would just steal stuff like that And then um, the weather was really bad, you know, it was just hot and cold all the time. And then, you know, it snowed there and I've never lived in snow. So that was that was really, really hard for me to deal with. Just like learning about like what to how to keep warm and weather and different things like that. And then I also became disabled uh, with a brain injury during a car accident. And that's how I got my. Uh, my disability. Um, at the time, in uh, mid-school, it was like my sophomore, my second year there, I, I got the brain injury. Um, it was really hard. I had seven classes almost daily um, with interactions with I- I- internships and homework and then thesis paper and then being drugged every day and disabled. So that was really, really hard to handle. And then um, very little support because my phone was hacked and I didn't know. So I would call people and I wouldn't hear back from them and I didn't know why. Um, And my calls were getting blocked, too. And I had no idea that my emails were blocked and that my calls were blocked and my social media accounts were blocked. I just didn't know. Um, So I was I was alone a lot. I finally graduated and came home to L.A., And uh, everyone in my life had changed, you know, you know, you turn 30 and people start to kind of drift off. They don't they don't they're not the same loving people that you remember when you're growing up or in your 20s when everyone helped each other out. It's like as soon as you hit your 30s, they're like, well, I'm going to get married or I'm going to go do this or I'm going to focus on my career or whatever. And they just um, they, they don't care if you're disabled or that you're sick physically or or anything like that they're just like figure it out yourself you know so that's kind of what happened when i came back um anyway i was still getting really sick i was getting sick in colorado i didn't mention that and i saw a lot of doctors out there like holistic doctors and then i came back here and um and i there are a lot better doctors out here so i tried to find People to help me out, but I still couldn't figure out why I ca- I couldn't tolerate food very well. Little did I know my food was drugs. That's why I couldn't tolerate it. But I I couldn't figure out why I couldn't digest anything. And then, um, so let's see. I tried to make it on my own, and um, without being on my own, my um, I I couldn't do it. My I just wanted to get out. of living with my parents because I was transitioning from you know living out of state and then um and then they would just scream at me all the time so I just and I also kept getting sick in the apartment that we were living in so I just had to get out I just thought I would just suck it up and just figure it out on my own um and that was probably not a good idea at the time not you know not knowing why I was getting so sick so um Anyway, so I finally went to one of my last apartments that I was living at on my own and I was running out of money. So I was like, well, I got to figure out I was living on savings and I got to figure out something quick. You know, I, I couldn't get hired. I couldn't work a nine to five job because of my brain injury. So it was too hard for me to, to do it by the time. I went through four, I, my, my school was four years. It was technically three years, but I stayed an extra year because of the class that I had to retake. And so uh, it, it, it really wore me out. And then I ended up um, talking to a lawyer friend of mine because I was having these uh, break-ins in my apartment when I was living alone. And these people would leave these uh, metal objects, these circular sometimes screws but like metal objects they look like washers I don't even know what a washer is but it's just, it's a metal object basically they would leave them all throughout my apartment so every time I would leave and I would come back there would be new metal objects and then I would get sick because there would be like a gas inside my apartment and I'm like what is this like what's going on I had no clue I called a friend of mine who's in my sorority who's a lawyer and um, she said, Yvette, you're being gang stalked. And I said, what is that? And she started to explain to me that the same thing happened to one of her friends. And I said, well, that's odd. She's like, look it up. Good luck to you. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That you can't just throw that on me. So I started to research gang stalking and um, I found this organization group and they started to explain more of the things to me. And then I started to research a lot on my own and then I was in the shower one day and some guy broke in the shower and um, broke off the towel rod, the metal towel rod, like he slammed it uh, off the off the wall and then slammed the door and left and then drugged my drink I had on the counter. And that's when I first realized that I was getting drugged on a regular basis and I didn't know because it, it, he put some kind of a date rape, Rufi's weird something. I don't even know what it was. But it was some weird, weird drug in my coconut water that I had on my counter that was an open can. It was already opened and it was an open can. And I was already drinking out of it. So they must have had the cameras in my apartment. And they saw what I was doing and then and then came in and did that. So I tried to get the police at the Playa. I was living in Playa del Rey at the time, Playa Vista. And they wouldn't come upstairs to do any fingerprinting, investigation, look at my evidence, nothing. They wouldn't even look at the wall that, was, that, would, that had ripped off of the metal piece. They simply said, oh, I see you have two DUIs on your record. And I'm like, I don't even drink and I've never been arrested. Why would I have two DUIs on my record? They were just trying to, like, throw me off somehow. And I was like, that's an odd thing for a police officer to lie about. And so I, I don't even understand what had happened. Anyway, so, um, I ended up moving. I went to my parents' house immediately. I got scared. Moved back close to town with them, and uh, found out. Uh, then I started to research more about the gang stalking, and then and then the torture really began. I was tortured before that without knowing what was really going on. Uh, But but then but then as soon as it starts to unveil, um, it kind of it kind of started uh, beginning. So um, so this was about the end of 2014, beginning of 2015, right around then. That's that's when it started to kind of go go down and start to happen. Um, So. The things, the list of things that had happened, they basically tried to sabotage every aspect of my life. So, uh, mobs of people stalking me wherever I go. As soon as I leave my house, they're right there, right there, walking their dog, walking nearby me at the grocery store, at the gas station. Doesn't doesn't matter where I am, they're they're right a couple steps ahead of me because I've um I've been microchipped. I realize that. When I came back to uh, move back in with my parents, I found a bump on the back side of my head one day when I woke up, and it was like an open, kind of like an open cut wound, and I didn't even know. It was on the right side of the back of my head, and I didn't even know what that really was because I wasn't researching it far enough to know about microchips at that point, Um and then I had electronic beams when I first found out about it. So that would happen when I would usually leave my house. Uh, by, and I think they use cell phones to do that. The gang stalkers, they have like some kind of a program where they can probably use a cell phone. Or some kind of like an x-ray device or something like that. Um, that happened for a little bit. And then I, let's see, I went to a laundromat and they poisoned my clothes when I tried to use the dryer. So someone had came in, saw what I was doing, and then and then did that. I went to the UCLA offices in Hermosa Beach and they wouldn't give me physical therapy for a brain injury or a car accident or anything. They refused to give me anything. And the lady got these, um she got these pins and she started poking all around my body. She's like, let me test you out first. And I'm like, okay and she started poking around me and she hit all of my nerve spots. And I was like, why is she poking at my nerve spots with this pin? I have been in car accidents before and I've never had one person do that to me. She just looked fucking crazy. And I was like, and she said, no, I'm not giving you any physical therapy. You got to go. And I'm like, okay. Like, you know, not knowing what was happening. Um, so I now know how how raunchy UCLA is after and you know, you'll hear later why they're so raunchy. And then um, and then I get blocked from my appointments. So anytime I try to make a medical doctor appointment, dentist appointment or really anything, I, my my local dentist I can make because um, I've known them for a really long time. Like I've known them since I was like a teenager But my uh, regular medical doctor appointments, I can't I can't get into anybody to see me or or a lawyer appointment or a business appointment or anything like that. So it's pretty it's pretty hard to get appointments because my phone is hacked. So all of my calls are redirected and they they redirect the calls to uh, to one of my stalkers and then they say, oh, sorry, they're not accepting new clients or make up some other excuse Um, so phone is hacked, like I said, email is hacked, computer is hacked, and iPad is hacked. Uh, they've even deleted my emails, and then later on, on when I found out what they deleted, they bring them back. That doesn't happen very often, that they bring them back, but sometimes they do after I call them out on it. Usually through social media. Um... So let's see helicopters throw poison on me they usually throw some kind of a gas things and you can research that that happens to a lot of people but it does happen to me especially when I go like taking a walk or walk around the block or go to an appointment or something like that they are usually around me and then with uh, with my bedroom window they're always outside my bedroom window I get them every single day so I don't know. What they do, I don't know why there would be a criminal outside my bedroom window for seven years straight. you think that would have been arrested by now. So it's definitely gearing towards me. Um, so I usually, the, the most things that I get is um, slamming doors, loud noises, denied medical care, no appointments with anyone, poisoning and drugging they throw poisons, they throw drugs, they, they put it in my products, they put it on my clothing, bedding, food, water, um, or drinks. So pretty much everything is either a poison or a drug. Nothing's, nothing's that clean. And then my water supply, forgot to mention that. Let me write that down. Water supply is, um, is hacked. So I don't know if it's through the Department of Water and Power or if they're coming into my water heater in the garage or or what they're how they're actually doing that. I'm not really sure, but I but it is uh, tampered with. Um, so let's see. I try to get IVs from a concierge doctor when I first found out about this and he drugged my IV at my house and then drugged my IV at his office. So. I never really went back to that guy. So they're, you know, they're kind of hitting me in everywhere. And then, um, the cops use poison on their gloves when they've come to get me for the psych ward. And uh, the fire department has uh, got their fire trucks, and they throw poison on me uh, through the uh, car window when when they're driving by. Um, and then. The most important thing for besides the drugging and the poisoning would be the uh, the sex trafficking and the microchips. So that has happened since um, since you see of sorry, since I was probably around 18 years old. I went to spring break a couple times in Mexico and I don't remember some of the experiences Um, that it happened after I went back to my hotel room with my friends. So I'm not really not sure what had happened there or what was done to me. And then also, you know, know, it could have happened when I've been sleeping at night at my roommate's house or uh, break-ins in my apartments when I've lived with roommates or when I started to live alone. I lived alone for a a while, so... They usually what they do is they turn on the microchip and um, and then they come in, they do whatever they want. And then I wake up the next morning and I have like no, no recollection of what had happened to me, except I'm really sore down there. Or I find things when I go to the bathroom and I go pee. That's usually what happens. I uh, When I lived alone in Playa del Rey, um, I I remember I woke up and um, I had slept for like almost two days straight. I looked at my I had no recollection of like a day and a half. And I looked at my phone and I was like, whoa, how could I have slept for a day and a half? That doesn't sound normal. And I went to the bathroom and I'm like, oh, my God, I think I've been raped. And I went to the bathroom and I lo and behold, found stuff when I went pee. And I didn't know what to do at the time because I was really disabled with my brain injury And so I didn't go to the ER or anything. And I just said, well, how could this happen? My door was locked. You know, I don't I have a deadbolt on the inside of the door. There's there not not a latch deadbolt. But at that time, I just had like a regular deadbolt. And I said, how could somebody have gotten gotten in when I was sleeping? So deadbolts don't don't work unless you have a, a specific latch just to let everybody know that I had to find that out the hard way. Okay, so that happened for a while. And um, if you want to research more about microchipping and how they sex traffic women, I would highly recommend doing that. And then if you want to send me some of your research, feel free to email me or post it on my Instagram page um, to to let me know some things that you found out that that I don't know already. So I tried to move to Utah, and this is when things got kind of bad. I was living close to my parents in one of their apartments alone, and I tried to move to Utah because I thought I wanted peace from L.A. L.A. is very busy. There's too many stalkers, and I just wanted some sanity. I drove there and drove right back, and I had somebody actually drive me there because it was going to be too hard for me, and... um And he left me and the the woman that I tried to rent the room from, her roommate said, this doesn't look like you and your driver's license picture. And she kicked me out. So I had to go to a hotel. It started snowing. All I had was flip flops on and I had to drive back by myself for like 14 hours, like the next day. And it was just And they started to gas me through the vents when I was when I was in the hotel room and they poisoned the sheets and the water and everything. And so I, I had to leave immediately. And by the time I came back to L.A., went back to my apartment. And um, <clears throat> and the cops came within like a couple days, maybe. Maybe like one or two days. Maybe they, were, they thought I was going to leave or do something stupid. So I tried to make a therapy appointment with somebody. And I explained to him a little bit about what was going on. And I said, I really need you to come to my house to make an appointment, and the cops showed up within twenty minutes, and they—that's when—that's when my mental health abuse started to happen. Um, so they came, uh, harbor, harbor police came, and took me to the hospital and said the reason they were taking me to the hospital because my my refrigerator wasn't full, and I said well, I just tried moving, you idiots. Why would my fridge be full if I was going to, why would I leave a full fridge if I just tried moving out of state? And not only that, I had receipts all over my place of me actually buying food. And I said, look at my receipts sitting right here of me purchasing food. I have a whole list of stuff. And they looked at it and they threw it away. They were like, oh, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Then they started to ask me weird questions. They're like, what's your social security number? And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you what my social security number is. And they're like, oh, where were you born? What hospital were you born at? What city were you born at? And I'm like, why do you fucking want to know this information? So uh, I, I I, don't know. I don't know why they were asking me all this stuff and what they wanted to know about me. But I, I wasn't going to tell them anything. So by that the time... time they took me to um, Harbor, UCLA, and this is where it began. So um, so I did not eat for a few days when I was there because I didn't know what they were going to do to the food. And it was a pretty dirty place. And I'm pretty sure I wasn't even at Harbor, UCLA, even though they told me I was. But I, I don't know because I, I went back to Harbor UCLA this past year and the environment of both UCLA's was completely different so I'm really I'm really not sure what what had what had happened um anyway, so we're getting kind of long on this video so I'm probably gonna have to cut it off soon but and make another one but um so I did not eat for a few days and I uh didn't know what they were gonna do to me they had no bed for me no room no private bathroom no shower and then they asked me what I was allergic to and I told them a few things about what I was sensitive to and they and they they basically put that on me after I had told them that Um, I said I don't really eat meat and they gave me a big steak (laughs) as soon as I said that I go oh I don't really eat meat and they're like, oh, here's your meal. And it was like the hugest steak you've ever seen from like the great outdoors. You know, that movie, The Great Outdoors. They like the one he had to eat that big steak in order to win the prize or get a free meal. Yeah, that's how big it was. So I was like, great. Of course, they're going to do that to me. Um, anyway, I got I got uh, transferred out of the disgusting. Oh, there was like bugs everywhere. It was very unsanitary. I was like sleeping on um I was sleeping on on like gross like a cot it wasn't even a cot it was like a what was it it was like a I don't know like a half couch or something it was like a like a people were sleeping on the floor it was like very unsanitary I don't know how you can let people just sleep on the floor without putting a mattress down or or anything like that so that that didn't make sense to me. Um, and by this time, I had uh, poison all over me. You could see it all over my face, body, everywhere. It, I was covered in it. And they said, "Oh, you're mentally ill." And I'm like, "No, do you not looking at me? I have poison all over me. You can't see that. This is like sitting right in front of you." It was. It was a. It was gray. It was a gray. It was a gray clay type thing. Um. Anyway, I. Uh, Went to Delamo Hospital in Torrance, and um, a lot of things happened there. I They switched the my medication on me that I, I just started taking medication for the first time like that when I was there. And they switched it on me, and they said, well, your psychiatrist says we're going to switch this, I this type of drug on you. And I'm like, he didn't even talk to me about it. I don't even know what this is. I don't even know what the side effects are. I'm not going to take it. And they're like, if you don't take it, we're going to give you the shot. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, OK, well, give me a second. So I hesitated for like, I don't know, five seconds. And they were like, you're hesitating. And they, they threw me in the room, pulled down my pants, gave me a shot in my butt. And I pretty much died. I had like a like I didn't know what they had given me, but it was pretty it was pretty intense. And I said I needed to go to the hospital. They refused to take me to the hospital and i had to just suffer and hopefully you know wake up the next day and that was very illegal. but i didn't know what my rights were at this time because i just got thrown into the system and it, you have to remember i'm still i'm still physically disabled so it was pretty hard for me to kind of like go go into that and um so they wouldn't let me call the police when I when they kept abusing me. They would throw poison on me when I would walk by and they would use gases on me. It wasn't that bad then with the poisons, but it um with the throwing, but it was it still happened and then they poisoned my sheets and then they drugged my food. They used a lot more drugs than they did poisons at Delamo. But they they poisoned it pretty heavily. Um and then um I tried to show the, I had a judge come down to the center to, to take me off the hold and uh, they wouldn't let me have a lawyer. And I said I had a right to a lawyer and they said no. And I tried showing them the evidence. I luckily I had, um, I had evidence that showed that they found drugs in my system at an urgent care after I had been to a Starbucks. So I showed the judge this. And the doctors know and they just threw it away. They're just, they just dismissed it. Luckily, I had that with me. I have no idea how I had that with me. But I did. And um, anyway, so I was there for over 50 days for no reason. Not allowed to keep my toiletries with me, which I now know is illegal. They can't do that to you. You can't lock up your soaps and shampoos and stuff like that. Because especially when they lock it up and then they end up tampering with it. And they would not let me um, leave the hospital until I moved back in with my parents, which you can't do that. I wasn't on conservatorship at that time. And you you legally cannot say, oh, we can't let you leave unless you move back in with your family. If you live alone, you, you can't do that. But they did. So they drugged in my food supply. And then by the time I came home, I had so much shit in my system that I fell over when I got out of the bathtub and I had to like couldn't even I couldn't even hold myself up I had to call my mom to take me to my room so I could lay down because it was it was so it was so bad what they were doing um that's just like an overview of what had happened there uh, I'm gonna go into this a little bit more and I'm probably gonna have to cut this off for a little bit because it's gonna take a while um I uh, continue to Reach out to doctors and lawyers and friends. I called hundreds, eventually thousands of people in my life, but my phone is hacked. So I do not receive phone calls back after I call them once. So I'll basically, I'll call a phone number, get them on the phone, and I'll say, listen, you're not going to be able to get a hold of me anymore. What are you going to do? Can you Can you try to call me back? And they're like, sure, sure, sure. I'll try to call you back. And I don't hear from anybody ever again. So that's that's usually what what they were end up doing. Sometimes I did, depending on who the person was, and then sometimes I found a way around it. But but um, for the most for the most part, that's what they were trying to do to me at, at least at first. Um, excuse me, they still do that to me now, but I'm I'm uh, I'm a little bit smarter than I was then. And then uh, they did not know who I was going to call um, originally because they let me see. Oh, yeah. So they would store the phone number as soon as as soon as I would make the call. That's what I was trying to do. I tried going to the FBI office and they would not let me in the building. Yep. The guards on the outside gave me a phone number and said, call this phone number for the FBI. We're not allowed. We're not letting you in the building. And I said, why? They gave me no reason. They said, you can't come in. I said, I have a right to talk to an FBI uh, professional. Every citizen has that right if you go down to the office. And they said no. So that was it. Um, And uh, I went to every police station in person, locally in my area. Uh, I, I don't know how many stations I went to. Probably like, I don't know, 10. I don't know, it was a lot. I kept going to different police stations, so I went there, and then um, and they shooed me away each time I would go. They pushed me away, and then when I would go to the harbor station, um, they uh, the police station to me they definitely pushed me away as soon as I got there. And then I called them a lot, called them a ton, had them come over to my house, when I was living alone, um, and uh, they did nothing. They had, they had one, no, they had one open report for a uh, sex trafficking case. And I never, you know, never, there's no real follow-up on that. So, uh, they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't, li- they I had one lady that listened to me for a couple hours. Um, and then it was over the phone. She wouldn't even come in person. Which this is like a high, this is a high fucking crime. And they're not even coming in person. Really? I I just don't understand. And then I actually had somebody from the headquarters, from the um, LAPD headquarters meet me at the Playa del Rey police station. And I got there and I knew they were good people and they were waiting for me. And they said, well, we'll meet you halfway. And I'm like, I can barely drive. I'm disabled. Can't you please just come to my house? And they said, no. And I'm like, oh my God. And so I met them there and they shooed me away. And they said they weren't there. And I waited and I waited. And they said they weren't going to show up. And I left. And I was, I was barely surviving because Playa Del Rey was like 40 minutes from me. So it was a long, it was, it was a while to get there. So um anyway, so I, let's see, Went to every police station, um, police wouldn't come to my apartment earlier, like I told you with the break-in when I was in the shower, and then I went to the hospital, um, when I went to Coffee Bean, I went to Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf and Torrance, and I had been drugged there with the, um, with a coffee cake, I ordered, I just grabbed a quick coffee cake, he put some kind of a I don't know what he put, put some kind of a drug on top of it. And then I got home, I ate it, and I was like, what is this shit? And so I went to, um, I called the police, and I had them take me to the San Pedro uh, San Pedro Hospital. And um, and I had a really bad feeling when I walked in. There were a lot of gang stalkers that were there. They were like, the whole hospital was filled with them. So I was like, holy shit, get me out of here. So I called my mom We went to Torrance, little company of Mary, and it was around my birthday, and it was the day before my birthday, and um, they held me in there for about ten hours. They said, "We're going to try to do a psych evaluation on you," and I'm like, "Why? I have drugs in my system. Can't you see? Can't you see my what's going on in my on my body? You can see it. You can smell it. It's all over." And they're like, and they're like, no, 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 nothing's there. So the so dirty social worker came in and talked to me. She's like, we need to wait until we can have someone come in and do an evaluation on you. So I had to wait till like three, four in the morning. It was my birthday, and then I found out what my rights were, my legal rights. They said, um, oh, this was this was before the cops came. Um, so I'm not going in that I didn't go in chronological order exactly. When I this was before I got taken away um, to the hospital the first time. This was this was right before it. So anyway, I said, uh, "What are my rights?" So I went on an online lawyer site, and they said you have to be either gravely disabled, which means you don't have food, clothing, and shelter. That's all that means. You have to be suicidal, danger to self, or danger to others, homicidal, right? Those are the three, the three criteria of taking away to a psych ward. I was neither, none of them. All I was going in there was to get medical treatment. That's it. So, um, so they held me. They did a psyche eval, and then they let me go after like ten hours. And they said, "Fine, uh, we're going to hold you for a couple hours, and then we're going to, um, then we're going to take you away." And then you can go home. And my mom was with me the whole time. And she was just like, do what they say. No one's going to take you anywhere. Don't worry. You're just getting medical treatment. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I don't think so. I don't think so. These people are sneaky. So I'm going to I'm going to go to I don't know why I didn't write that earlier in my chronological order. So I apologize that I went off a little bit. So then I'm going to go on to my second hospital experience. This was at. Uh, so what happened was I kept calling people and the cops had called my mom the day before they were going to take me away. And they said, we're going to take your daughter away tomorrow. and We're going to take her to UCLA and Westwood, not not Harbor. And they were like, um, which is in Santa Monica, and they and my mom said, okay, fine, we'll let you guys in, and you'll you'll take her away. So they came in while I was sleeping. It was not an emergency. I was clearly sleeping. My dad unlocked my door. This was before I started I started to figure out how to protect myself at night, and I just had a simple lock on my door, so he had unlocked it, and then the um, and they came in. And uh, they took me to UCLA and my mom drove with me in the car, luckily, to make me feel a little bit safer, which was nice to actually have that happen. It was a cop car. It wasn't an ambulance and um, went to UCLA. And as soon as I got there, they're like she's a danger to herself. And I'm like, how? How am I suicidal? I've never even said that word at all. How am I a danger to self? So they had they had no way of uh of saying of of identifying that danger to self, and um, anyway, so uh went to UCLA. They took my um they took my temperature underneath my tongue, and they had poisoned it. And I'm like, oh, here we go, here we go again. They did my blood draw, and I said, I don't want to do my blood draw. Are you going to poison the needle when you do my blood draw? The girl said, no, I will never poison the needle. When I do the blood draw, we're simply going to do a blood draw. And I'm like, okay, fine, do it. So she did it, and it was poisoned. And it went right through my bloodstream. And I'm like, great. All my food was poisoned. All the um, on the, the medicine they gave me at night on the outside of the medicine had a poison on it. A new one every night and then they forced me to go to groups um but I couldn't physically do it because I'm disabled and I couldn't sit up for that long and they forced me to go and they said if you don't go to groups we're going to increase your medication which is a it's a threat it's a it's for you can't use medication for punishment you can't do that especially if somebody was disabled then they forced me in the shower I said, I wasn't going to go into your shower. I'll do it on my own when I'm ready. And they said, no, you're going to go now. So one lady basically like raped me in the shower. She didn't like molest me, but she physically uh, hurt me where I was bleeding everywhere. She scrubbed me so hard that I was bleeding all over. And I said, please stop. I can do this myself. I don't need you to help me. And she wouldn't stop. And she forced her way on me. I made a complaint against the hospital. Did they do anything? no made a complaint against my parents i said i can't believe they did this to me my dad's like that's out of control you can't do that to her and then they and then they made up some excuse as to why it was legal for them to make me bleed inside the fucking shower so did an advocate come to help me a patient advocate no did i did i call patients rights to come and help me yes have I called patients' rights, California patients' rights, over thousands of times to help me? Yes. Have they? No. Have they called me outside of my house? No. Outside of the hospital? No. They they have not done anything because my phone is hacked. So they probably don't even know what is fully going on. So then, then uh, conservatorship... Um, basically uh ucla put me on this the first time they said you can't come home and go home to your parents unless you're on conservatorship i said what is that i didn't learn that full term in school we briefly went over a little bit of that but i was so out of it at the time that i wasn't fully sure what was happening and they said they said um they said, it's where you have a legal guardian and your mom's going to be your legal guardian. And I said, fine, just get me the hell out of here. I don't care. So they went, we went to court and, um, and we, we went in front of the judge and the judge said, well, she's clearly gravely disabled. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And my lawyer did nothing to protect me. Nobody fought for me. They just put me on it and I had no idea what I was going for. And then I'll continue with my next video as to what happened when I stayed on it for a few years and how the mental health system has treated me while I was on it and have denied me every single legal human being legal right that any person could have in the United States, if not in in the world. So this was part one. Um and then we'll continue with the video part 2. It's been about an hour now. So I don't want to overwhelm you, overwhelm you. So go take your pee break or go get a snack and then you know come back and you you can listen to part 2.